As I have gone alone in there, and with my treasures bold, I can keep my secret where, and hint of riches new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt, and take it in the canyon down. Not far, but too far to walk, put in below the home of Brown. From there it's no place for the meek, the end is ever drawing nigh. There'll be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down your quest to seize, but tarry scant with marvel gaze. Just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answers I already know. I've done it tired and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to American West History and Lore. I am your host, Paul Workman, and honestly, I come to you on this episode feeling a bit ashamed of myself. Ashamed because it was only a few days ago that I found out about this modern-day treasure hunt known as Forest Fens Treasure. I mean, seriously, I've been into reading about all the lost treasures of the American West for quite some time now, and... Uh, and how this flew past my radar is beyond me. The question I pose to you fine folks, however, is, did this escape your radar as well? Well, have no fear if it has, because if you've never heard of Forest Fence Treasure, you're in luck, because today we're going to learn about it together, right now. So the poem that I just read at the introduction of the show is basically a clue to what has now become known as Forest Fence Treasure. But before we even try to understand any of that, it would probably be a smart idea to, to get to know Forrest Fenn and what his treasure is all about. So Forrest Fenn is a Vietnam veteran. He was a pilot in the Air Force where he flew over 320 missions. And if you watch some of his interviews, he, he talks about how he grew up kind of poor and never really felt he was too smart in school. One probably wouldn't think that, though, based off of his successes in life. I personally admire this guy because he was able to make a successful career based off of the things he loved, which were art, history, and antiquities. And I think that's rare. You know, I think it's rare that someone gets to do what they truly love. Not only that, he's he's like a modern day Indiana Jones type character. You can tell he really has a true love for archaeology. Now, the treasure. The story goes that Fenn was diagnosed with cancer in 1988. Uh, kidney cancer to be exact, and his prognosis wasn't good. I guess at the time, that's they just told him he had terminal cancer and only had so long to live. So he came up with this idea. At this point in his life, he had become a pretty successful art dealer, and I'm sure it was well-to-do, you know. Uh, his idea was to gather some precious materials up, put them in a treasure chest, 
hide it in the woods somewhere and die on or around the treasure, suggesting to whoever found him and the chest to leave his bones but the treasure would be all theirs. But as he states in interviews, one problem arose. He got better. See, that's what I love about this guy. He has a great sense of humor, even when it comes to his own mortality. Uh, so you skip ahead 20 years or so. The year isn't known for sure. I'm sure it's because Forrest wants it that way. But in 2009 or 2010, when Fenn was 79 or 80 years old, he decided to make good on his plan to hide a treasure somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. In his memoir, The Thrill of the Chase, Forrest documents his life, which is something he was really big into. In fact, he really encourages everyone to write their own memoirs, just so they have it for posterity reasons. Anywho, at the end of the book, he wrote a poem, which is the one I read to you at the beginning of the show, leaving clues to what is now known as Forrest Fenn's treasure. He's very careful when talking about the poem and, and hints and clues, as he doesn't want to give too much away. Aside from the clues in the poem, he claims he hasn't given any more clues. Rather, he's given hints to clues. Some of those include that the treasure could be in Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico, somewhere between eight miles north of Santa Fe, New Mexico, and the Canadian border. That really narrows it down, doesn't it? But the treasure is not in Utah, and it's not in Idaho. Now, even though portions of the Rockies run through them, he also says that the treasure is at an elevation no less than 5,200 feet and no more than 10,000 feet. Based on all the clues provided, many people have convinced themselves that they are either within the general vicinity of the treasure or that they have found the exact spot, but they were just too late and someone had already snatched it up. Fenn has openly admitted, though, that when talking to folks and hearing where their ideas had led them, that many had been within 500 feet of the treasure and that fewer had been within 200 feet of the treasure. I mean, could you imagine sitting here talking to this guy, being one of those who were within 200 feet of this thing and begging in your mind for just a little clue or hint of reassurance and Fenn's thinking, you were there, buddy, you were there, but wouldn't give give them anything that's crazy. As of the most recent interview I saw with Fenn, which I believe was in January of 2018, he assured the interviewer that the treasure had still not been found. <clears throat> now, though Fenn's treasure is a fun and exciting adventure to think about, there is a dark side that has arisen from it, and that is that people have died while searching for it. I believe to date, four deaths have officially been connected to it. This has been a touchy situation for Finn, and he even says that the deaths weigh heavily on him, and when asked if he would put the treasure hunt to a stop, he said he wouldn't. He's even been contacted by the Santa Fe Sheriff's Department to call it off. Finn says that even though he won't give direct clues to the direct location of the treasure, he will give guidance for folks to stay safe while on the hunt. Fenn has reiterated many times that the treasure is not hard or dangerous to get to. Now, Fenn's main reason for hiding this treasure was simple. He wanted people, especially kids, to get off the couch and off their TV and their game devices and go outside, get some fresh air, and have a little bit of an adventure. He wanted families to do this together and be able to create some really good memories. Even if they don't find the treasure, at least they can say they 
had a really great time, and hey, they can even put the term treasure hunter on their resume. So is Fen's treasure real? Or is it just an elaborate hoax concocted by Fen to sell more art and books? Many believe it's real. Many believe it's fake. I like to think that it's out there somewhere. I just hope I'm around long enough to see it discovered. What's your guys' opinion? Real or fake? Let us know on the American West History and Lore Facebook page or shoot me an email at thepkworkman at gmail.com and let me know. Sticking to the topic of lost treasure, I thought it would be fun to briefly discuss four, in my opinion, top lost treasures of the American West. I pose this question. Do you know what the absolute worst thing about a lost treasure is? Well, the answer is the fact that it's lost. Uh, The American West is full of these mysterious lost wealth makers, and perhaps you, or me, could be the lucky person to rediscover one of them. Only problem, however, is that you may have to sacrifice some time and money to find one, and hopefully, in the end, it was worth your while. You see, unlike Fenn's treasure, where the person who hid it is still alive, these lost treasures are based on oral histories, hearsay, and yes, sometimes documentation, but probably not much that was very reliable. I could be wrong, though. All right, the first one, the Dutch oven mine. In 1894, Tom Schofield was an employee for the Santa Fe Railroad, where he took care of the Danby Watering Station, located in Danby, California. And that's within San Bernardino County. The station's water was fed by the Bonanza Spring, which is in the nearby Clipper Mountains. On a trek to the spring one day, Schofield noticed a trail which led to the side of a mountain where the spring was and it appeared not to be maintained. When he had some spare time, he decided to take a hike on it. It may have been the best yet worst decision he could have made. Now, there are a few variations of this story, but the basics stay the same. Schofield eventually ended up finding an old abandoned mining camp. He also found an old mine that had been worked for what appeared to be gold. After exploring a bit, He realized it was beginning to get a little late, so he decided to stay at the old miner's camp. When he awoke the next morning, he managed to kick the lid off an old Dutch oven that was placed by a fire pit. To his surprise, the oven was filled with pure gold nuggets. Of course, Schofield packed up as much of the nuggets as he could and headed back to the town. The net worth of the gold he brought back was approximately $200,000. He spent all of that in about two years and decided to head back to the Clipper Mountains, only to never be able to find the location again. Next we have the Native Silver Mine. In the early 1800s, John Connors was running his saloon in Nogales, Arizona, when he went in walked a prospector with a piece of silver the size of his fist. The prospector told Connors, that he had purchased the silver from an old Opata Indian who claimed he had found the silver while hunting along Carrizo Creek, just northwest of Nogals. The prospector set out to strike it rich, 
and a few months later showed back up in the town with loads of rich ore. He told Connors that he found the silver eroding out of a clay hardpan near Carrizo Creek. Unfortunately for Connors, the old prospector died before he was able to make another silver run. John spent many trips near Carrizo Creek looking for the treasure, but always came back empty-handed. Next, the lost treasure of Dead Man's Cave. The legend of Dead Man's Cave in Colorado goes as follows. Three men, E.J. Oliver, S.J. Harkman, and H.A. Melton, were prospecting by what is known now as Dead Man's Camp. The weather wasn't looking too great, so they decided that they needed to find some shelter. And this is when they came upon an opening on a rock wall across the canyon they had been prospecting. As they lit some torches and entered the opening, Oliver spotted five skeletons strewn about the cavern. As the men proceeded deeper into the bowels of the cave, Melton noticed some shelves in one of the openings deep within, and there appeared to be rocks stacked on them. They proceeded to pick one up, realized how heavy it was, and upon further examination, discovered it was indeed gold. After the bad weather had passed, the men gathered up what gold they could, which was about five bars, and headed out. They went back home and had the bars assayed. Each bar ended up being worth $900 apiece. Now the men clearly didn't keep their findings a secret and were asked many times where they had found it, but they never divulged the location. The next spring, they decided it would be a good idea to go stock back up on the gold, so they set out on a journey to recover more. As like other lost treasure stories, they were never able to relocate the cave again. Lastly, we have the Mine of Lost Souls. The supposed location of the Mine of Lost Souls is in Dry Fork, Utah. Now, what is the Mine of Lost Souls? The tale goes as follows as it was related to a local man by an old Mexican woman who supposedly experienced the incident. Some time ago, there was a group of Mexicans in the area of what is now known as Dry Fork, Utah. The group lived in a cave and each day would travel to a tunnel where they would mine for gold. As they mined, they noticed Indians watching them, therefore they became increasingly nervous. Not only did they have the Indians to contend with, but when they would travel to a small town called Spanish Fork in Utah, they also had the annoyance of Americans as they would follow them and try to find where the Mexicans had hid their mine. One day, the Mexican woman and her husband went out hunting for food. When they returned, all of the members of their group had been murdered. She states that, quote, the Indians had killed them, end quote. They were very afraid and put all of their dead into the tunnel that had been being worked for gold and sealed it to the best of their ability. As they left, they took the remainder of the gold, traveled at night, and slept during the day for fear that they would be captured and killed. And that information comes from uh, Del Bascom's book, Following the Legends. Now, as of right now, this story seems like just that, an interesting story. However, there is some evidence that backs up the existence of this tale. From Carrie Ross Boren and Lisa Lee Boren's book, The Gold of Ker Shanab, is an account of a few kids stumbling upon what could perhaps be this very mine. It reads as follows, quote, The sister of Max Harrison of Vernal was up in Dry Fork Canyon some years ago hiking around with a couple of other girls and some boys 
when they came across a small cave. They went back into the cave to snoop around, and back inside a short way it dropped off into a shaft-like hole. Having a flashlight, they lowered one of the boys down into the hole with a rope. The cave was spooky to them anyway, and they had mixed feelings about being there in the first place. But they were not ready for what was about to be discovered. When they pulled him from the hole, he described in graphic detail what he had seen. A room-like chamber where 15 or 20 human skeletons were sitting or lying around in the form of a circle against the walls, most of which were still wearing old Spanish armor. They ran from the cave and returned to their homes, swearing to one another an oath never to tell where this place was at. End quote. Could this mine that these kids stumbled upon have been the mine the old Mexican woman and her husband put their dead group in? Is it possible that others hiking in the area have stumbled upon this very mine and not told anyone about it? This is one of history's mysteries that is waiting to be revealed. So there you have it, folks. Lots of treasure out there to look for. Just remember this next time you were bored. Get out and go hiking. Open your eyes and look for something because you may never know what you're going to find. Just remember to always be safe while you're exploring. Remember to wear and pack the appropriate gear. Bring enough food and water and always be aware of your surroundings. Now that's going to do it for this episode of American West History and Lore. Be sure to check out mysteryandhistory.blogspot.com for show notes for this episode. We'd also love it if you would leave us a kind rating and review on iTunes as it helps the show become more noticeable and grow. And if you have any questions or comments, leave them at the American West History and Lore Facebook page or just shoot me an email at thepkworkman at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-P-K-W-O-R-K-M-A-N at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.